Good evening and welcome. Let us continue to worship God. This is the Lord's Day and that's what we're supposed to have been doing all day. Continue to worship God. Psalm 145 in the Scottish Psalter verses 1 to 8 to God's praise.
O Lord God of everything and everyone and every situation from all changes you are free we just find that too difficult to understand how great you are we've been singing of something that is wonderful we enjoyed the the tune we enjoyed singing it together but grant that there would be a song in our heart as we reflect on even these words thy perfect righteousness because we know that we are sinners that in the way we think about our circumstances our situation, our world and even in the way we think about your word and your day and yourself we sin man's thoughts to be but vanity the Lord doth well discern teach us to be thankful encourage us to be thankful give us to learn thankfulness that in everything we would give thanks even in the uncertainties and disappointments that we would still give thanks that we would understand your love as your word tells us whoso is wise and will observe these things even they shall understand the love and kindness of the Lord we ask that this evening we would be attracted to yourself that our hearts would be drawn to say of Jesus he is altogether lovely all my salvation and all my desire we pray for each other those sitting with us we pray for our families wherever they are whatever their situation be they wandering away from the means of grace bring them back be they troubled with mental or physical health issues be they anxious about poverty unemployment uncertainty in their careers help us to pray for them and to be glad that we are encouraged so to do to cast not just some of our cares but all of our cares upon you we pray this evening for the former pastor of the congregation here and his, his family and his family may your healing hand be on him and them may they understand that you understand we often find ourselves in situations that we just have no understanding these things are too high for us 
but you know the darkness from the light and you have for your own glory foreordained whatsoever comes to pass what a difference it would make to us if we delighted in the prayer that you taught your disciples thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven how delivered we would be from the frustration of situations in which we find ourselves we pray tonight for those going back to school this week and those heading off to college and university we ask that your protecting arm would be around them and that they would find themselves longing to be with your people wherever they may be be it in in school or wherever else we pray for our nation in these days of turmoil financial medical <coughs> political it's, it's all too much for our leaders and too much for ourselves but give us to understand that there is nothing that is too hard for you we sense the decline the seeming decline in the commitment of our country to yourself but Lord you can revive your work you are the only one who can awaken the dead and revive the living please do not leave us to ourselves lead us to the foot of the cross to say of Christ he is all our salvation and all our desire grant us what you have promised this evening and what you delight to do for us to open our minds to receive and our hearts to rest in Christ through the power of the Spirit that the congregation and myself would say we see no man save Jesus only yes we heard a voice we heard a voice of a man speaking to us but grant that we would hear the voice of the man of God the man of heaven the man of Calvary the man at your right hand speaking to us and that we would respond with a boner and say I heard the voice of Jesus keep us now and teach us for Jesus sake Amen we're going to read a chapter in Romans Romans chapter 10 and we're going to read all of it together so hear the word of God Martin Luther said of the book of Romans actually that you should ponder it every day he also said you should learn it off by heart now I'm not venturing as far as that 
but I think it's a book you should be visiting and I with you frequently. So let's read Romans chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says... Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of preach the, the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did, not, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. May God bless that reading from his word to us. And may each of us know what God is doing. Stretching out his hand 
to you. Let us continue to worship God by singing in Psalm 85, verses 6 to 13 from the Scottish Psalter. It's not up yet. 86 is 86. Oh, 86. Oh, oh well, that's, that's what it will be. I have in my notes 85, so that's either my mistake or Jack's, but I think it's probably mine. 86 then. 6 to 13. Oh. 
seeking our masters, our elder brothers, help, we would like to consider the line at the end of the first section of Romans chapter 10. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The book of Romans is the Christian manifesto. It has been referred to as the cathedral of the Christian faith. It is the great book that tells us the essence of what we are to believe. And this verse, I think, is very important for yourself and myself. It, can I ask you a question? Do you have to be perfect to get into heaven? What do you think? And I hear you saying, well, nobody's perfect. And you're right. But you do have to be perfect. And that's my problem and yours. We have to be perfect. Herein is our problem. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why Romans 10 verse 4 is so wonderful. Early in Romans in chapter 3 verse 10. He's told us. There's no one righteous, no one at all. So, you can say of your preacher, he's not righteous. And I can say of the congregation, each of you, however charming you might be, you're not righteous. And that's what we're here this evening to address. The fact that every single sin deserves God's wrath and curse that you and I will maybe sooner than we think have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ it's most likely sooner than we think It is appointed unto men once to die. Nothing less than the righteousness of God will suffice us. The only thing that can meet God's wrath is... Finish the sentence. The only thing that can meet God's wrath is what? God's righteousness. You cannot stand there on your own. I recently had the privilege of spending a little time on his deathbed with the late Reverend Alexander Murray. In the hospital at Boner Bridge. And it was a very precious while 
he said this William it doesn't matter what I've done or what I've not done it doesn't matter what I've achieved or not achieved the only thing that matters is what Christ did now can you say that for yourself there's another guy who's a good friend recently died who I spoke to the day before he was going into hospital for tests it was George Verwer the guy who set up Operation Mobilization he said William I'm going in for tests tomorrow I said, See. Yeah, I'm going into the hospital for tests I don't know what it is and then he said do you know William there's something in me that wants to go home to heaven but I'm content to stay here if God wants me to stay here now you might well I certainly will you might be moved by hearing these testimonies of guys at the end of their life but it's there in Philippians for me to live is Christ and to die is gain here is what John Calvin said on this piece Paul declares that he is indifferent it is indifferent to him and is all one to him whether he lives or dies because having Christ he reckons both to be gain and assuredly it is Christ alone that makes us happy both in death and in life otherwise if death is miserable life is no degree happier so that it is difficult to determine whether it is more advantageous to live or die out of Christ on the other hand let Christ be with us and he will bless our life and will bless our death so that both will be happy and desirable for us desirable for us in Judges chapter 6 24 we come across the expression Jesus Shalom I'm sorry if anybody's taking notes you've had Hebrew this morning and you're getting more tonight Jesus, Jesus Jehovah Shalom which means the Lord our peace he is our peace O oh, soul you are weary and troubled no light in the darkness you see there's light in a look at the Saviour and life more abundant and free turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things on earth will go grow strangely 
dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Find your way to him. That's a little then about our need. Secondly, Christ's death and life for us. And I've deliberately used the expression life and death for us. On the 1st of January 1937, Gresham Machen was dying. He was on his deathbed and he knew he was. Gresham Machen was the founder of Westminster Theological Seminary. He had left Princeton and one of his colleagues that had left Princeton with him at the same time was the late Professor John Murray. So he sent a telegram to Professor John Murray and this is what this dying man's telegram said. I am so thankful for the active obedience of Christ. No hope without it. Christ Jesus died the atoning death on the cross to pay in full the penalty of our sins. But there is more. There's not only that event of Calvary, there is his 33 years of life 30 years of active obedience perfectly fulfilling all the demands of God's law this righteousness one that has fulfilled the entire law of God is what, it, is, what is credited to the account of believers Christ is our righteousness. Do you remember the song, the words of which are attributed to Mary McChain? It's a lovely song if you've never sung it. Find it and get someone to sing it with you. Jehovah Sin Can You, my death song shall be. And here's another Hebrew word. Jehovah said, can you? Means the Lord our righteousness. The very righteousness of Jesus Christ is the righteousness you and I need. Imputed to us and received by us through Christ alone, by faith alone. We as sinners not only need the removal of the guilt of our sin, we need the provision of the positive, full and complete righteousness of Christ. 
The cross of Christ is simultaneously the ultimate suffering that Christ endured and the greatest act of obedience he performed. I'll repeat that. It's worth thinking about. The cross of Christ is simultaneously the ultimate suffering that Christ endured and the greatest act of obedience he ever performed. Now, I used to wonder why in the wide world did Jesus not come down on a Friday and go home on a Monday? Why did he have to live here 33 years? Because you need his active obedience. You need, William, his active obedience for you. And it's a gift. Romans 5 verse 17 tells us that. It's a gift. Have you got that? It's a gift. Have you had it? Have you received it? Herm Herman Bavink put it this way. Jesus' whole work from conception to death was substitutionary. It's Jesus is saying to you, if I can put it this way, he's saying to you, not only did I die for you, I lived for you. I did everything for you. John Newton referred to it this way, his humiliation expiates our pride. His perfect love atones for our ingratitude. His exquisite tenderness pleads for our insensibility. He did it all. And this, I believe, is very important and most helpful for your assurance and your confidence in what you have in Christ. If you're like me, you'll recognize something of the sin of your childhood. Of your pursuit of things that were not good, whether your parents knew it or not. But as the God-man, our substitute delivers us from all this guilt. Remember he said, I must be about my father's business. You get all the positive righteousness of Christ's childhood. And I certainly need that. I can see it now because they're not here. But I did things that my mother didn't know about. And I did things that my father didn't know about. And I found myself troubled with them for years. And perhaps you're the same. 
but he lived a perfect life for you you recognize perhaps the sins of your idle words every idle word will be brought into judgment you and I have to answer for it Isaiah 53 speaks about idle words talking idly my are you guilty of that? but then our substitute grace was poured into his lips no one ever heard him utter than that which was God honouring you might think about your childhood your idle words and the sins of careless worship wandering thoughts have you had a wandering thought as you sang the psalm as you heard the chapter have you had a wandering thought or are you saying already well this is a bit long I thought he might be getting finished by now I've got something else I'm planning to do this evening and I wish this was over I hope the benediction comes soon my that was a good game of rugby I watched yesterday where are your thoughts what do you think about when you've nothing else to think about he our substitute worship for us he spoke of the zeal for his father's house his attention to the word of God to prayer to worship is all put to your account how friend can we hear that without saying thank you thanks be unto God for that gift sin in connection with our prayerlessness John Piper said to me not so long ago William what will your Facebook entries tell you about your prayer time when you appear before the judgment seat of Christ am I spending more time on social media what about your use of shopping of sleep what about your secret thoughts what about the television use but as for our substitute he rose a great while before day to pray he continued all night in prayer and his righteousness is imputed to us he plunges our sins of omission into the ocean of his forgetfulness 
he plunges our sins of omission into the ocean of his forgetfulness. Maybe you've heard of Bishop Usher. He was the Bishop of All-Ireland, Cromwell, dictated that he should be buried in Westminster Abbey. And that's where he was buried. He, he's the man that he gave us a suggestion as to how old the world is. He was a very diligent, painstaking pastor. Very diligent in attending to the needs of his flock. And what was his last words on his deathbed? This is what they were. He had been a pastor for 60 years. His last words were, But Lord, please forgive my sins of omission. What about our selfishness? Me first, seeking to take advantage. What about Jesus? He pleased not himself. He always did that which pleased his father. Made himself of no reputation. Washed feet. Dried the feet with a towel. Cried over the city. His righteousness. In relation to his unselfishness. In contrast with our selfishness. What about unthankfulness? We're told in everything to be thankful. I think I've told the story here before about my granny. I was showing one of my grandchildren her house yesterday. 15 Kenneth Street in Inverness. And it, it's a terraced house and they had no water and the lad said to me where did they get the water and I said eh, there was a well out the back in the centre of Inverness and well, yes, there was a well they had to go out there for it I remember my granny they got the water they got the tap in one cold water tap in the kitchen and I was sitting in the little in the, in, in the little room beside the kitchen Watching her one day, I would have been, I don't know, put it this way, it's over 70 years ago. So that tells you a little bit about your ancient preacher tonight. But he was, she was in the kitchen. And she had a glass. And she put the glass under the tap and turned the tap on. Filled the glass with water. What did she do then? She bowed her head in thankfulness no I don't think a thing about it eh? how often do I turn the tap on or take something out of the fridge in everything with thankfulness but what about Jesus he was thankful for 
his food. He was thankful for what God had revealed to babes. He was thankful very particularly for the Lord's Supper. I came, he said in Matthew 5, to fulfill the law. Oh, what fullness, friend, there is in Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on him. He is our peace, and the peace of God which passeth understanding will keep your heart and mine. There was a Free Presbyterian lady who was in the mission in Rhodesia and her brother died down in Durban and she had to go down there to identify the body which was a two day train journey and she had never been out of Rhodesia before and she got there and she identified the body and she came back and they said to her what do you think of Durban expecting her to say well I never saw roads like that buildings like that the train and everything was amazing what did you think about Durban oh she said it was standing on the shore uh huh so what was amazing about the shore well standing on the shore and seeing the waves coming toward me all the time ceaselessly reminded me of the love of Christ of the grace of God always loving have you tasted that have you seen it so that's a little about Christ's death and life for us then finally a little about the comfort that this affords because of Christ's life and work and obedience and death and resurrection you can sing with great joy and affection yea though I walk in death's dark veil yet will I fear none ill for thou art with me and thy rod and staff me comfort still Christ said Samuel Rutherford is holding forth his arms to embrace you all day long I have stretched out my hand who to a disobedient ungainsaying people these hands that were wounded to save us can never be doubted for the extent and detail of the love that they demonstrate I consecrate myself, he said, that they may be sanctified, John 17. He was committed to it, 
These hands show us his love. These hands that created the universe, these fingers that put the sun and the moon and the stars in their place, can they ever be doubted for their power? The hand that says to us, they will never perish. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. And no one can pluck them out of my father's hand. There's another story from Brown of Haddington, who, outside Edinburgh, he wrote a Bible dictionary, which is excellent, and he also wrote a Bible commentary. Brown of Haddington. He was a very dedicated pastor, and he particularly committed to visiting those who were unable to get out to church and those who were dying. And he went to see Mary this night or this evening and he said, Mary, you're tired and weary. The Lord is waiting to take you into his arms. It is so wonderful that the Lord is waiting for you, Mary. She lay there motionless on her pillow then he said Mary tell me what you would say if at the last you lost your hold of God and he lost his hold of you and you perished she wakened up she lifted her head off the pillow and said, ah, minister, that would never be. And fine you know it. Brown responded, how can you say that? And she replied, he would lose far more than what I would. I would lose my soul and he would lose his honor he would lose his honor he's promised me he will never let me go and Brown left saying to that dying Mary Mary you're ready for glory This is what Paul understood in Romans 7. Who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. All this therefore. All this active and passive obedience of the Lord Jesus is offered to you. Tonight. And if you go out that door without saying yes to this, you are mad. It's crazy. Yeah, you have a high IQ. Yeah, you've got good results in your exams. Yeah, you've got a good job or whatever. But if you go out that door without saying yes to Christ's offer of salvation, you're mad. 
and I would be mad if I didn't press it on you. What is faith? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest on him alone for salvation as he is freely offered to us in the gospel. Take it, friend. And take it now. As Mr. Murray said, it doesn't matter what you've done or not done. What you've achieved or not achieved. It's all about what he has done. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Let us pray. Lord, that you would make us ready for glory. That we would know that this is not our rest. That here we have no continuing city. That we would set our affection on things above. Grant your spirit to take of the glory of the finished work and the perfect life and sacrifice of Jesus and bring our hearts to rejoice in it and to say with the psalmist in thy name Lord we will declare your righteousness in thy salvation we will joy Bless us in our cares and responsibilities and keep us, teach us and pardon us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll conclude by singing to God's praise. And I hope I get it right this time. Psalm 69. No? Well, I don't know how that happened. Psalm 71, 14 to 21. What? No, no, that's fine. They're, they're, they're all pretty good. <laughs> have you got? Have you got? Am I certain making life difficult with the tune? No. Okay, sixty-nine, thirty to thirty-six. I, I have a good excuse, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Actually, I better now that I made a mess of myself. Uh, it's not me that typed this out. It's my better half. <laughs> What's that? I missed a Sam, have I? Ah, it's me that's wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> You'll not be surprised. So I, what will we do then? We'll go to do the last one. Psalm 69, verse 30 to 36. Uh, I probably was preoccupied with what might have been more important. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So sorry about that. Psalm 69, Scottish Psalter, 30 to 36.
comfort we ought to receive and be glad for as we hear that verse saying to us O all ye that do seek the Lord your hearts shall ever live and that we would indeed with a song most cheerfully sing your praise we thank you for this hour of worship we pray that there would be an impact upon our behaviour and thinking and in our burdens that we would cast them all upon you knowing that you do all things well. Keep us and pardon.